Okay, welcome to episode 54 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Exciting podcast underway today. My good friend Connor Larson's back for me to join our weekly football preview podcast. Welcome, Connor. Hey, what's poppin', Benny? Good morning, man. We woke up early, bright and early to get going on some football. And what what better breakfast can you have than a little bit of NFL football digestion, you know? Just just digest some of these <laughs> week 14 slates, you know? We'll, we'll give you some analysis. When, and, you know, we're, we're rolling it hot from this, this last week. Week 13 was a good one for us on our podcast, and we really just nailed – basically every handicap we had last week. And that, that doesn't happen often. You know, that was the first, I really like that felt like that, that was our best week of the season so far in terms of our um, hitting the, the peak of our, our analysis for the season. Um, we really, we nailed Cleveland. We nailed the Patriots. We, what, who else do we have? The, the Colts. You, you love the Rams. The Rams. Do we hit everything last week? It, it felt unfair. I felt like I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like, are you serious? Like, is, are we gonna win all these games? And I mean, sure enough, really, really just hit. It worked out well in, in our fantasy matchups and our gambling endeavors, you know. And I, 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 I'm as I'm saying this, I'm knocking on every piece of wood furniture in my in my apartment right now because I'm trying. To, we we got to keep this going, you know. It's week 14. We're getting all this information under our belts, and we're able to use that to make better educated guesses about what's going to be happening going forward. And um, this week's slate of games was particularly kind of difficult. And um, I, honestly, it, it was tough to kind of decipher which teams to be on uh, and which teams to, to go push your chips into um, for this weekend. I think we, we, we nailed a, a few good interpretations from some of the matchups and looking forward to uh, going over them with you, Connor. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to continuing success from last week as we head into the fantasy playoffs and start to get a better picture of the real NFL playoffs and how everything's going to shake out. Certainly, certainly. All right. So without further ado, let's just kick it off here. Let's dive right into the week 14 slate of games. We'll look back at kind of what's been going on as we move along here, as we discuss each team. But what we'll do is uh, we're going to highlight the games that we, we feel like we have a good grasp of ones that we're willing to offer some picks for gambling purposes um, on. And to start off here, um, I really wanted to start with the marquee matchup for me of the week. And I've heard this game t- discussed more on any sports talk shows this week than any, any other matchup this week. And wh- what I'm talking about is the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo is the favorite. Surprisingly, uh, Pittsburgh's 11 and one Buffalo nine and three, I believe. Buffalo's favored by a point and a half. I've seen them actually up to two and a half. Um, the over-under here at 48 points. And coming into this one, Pittsburgh's reeling off of their first loss of the season last week to the Washington football team. Buffalo last week beat San Francisco and has won five of their last six games. And they have their one loss in the last six games was off of the Hail Mary. Half, uh, the Hail Murray, the Hail Mary off of the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And so that was a, a game that obviously they could have won very easily. And Buffalo's, I mean, if you look at the trend lines for both these teams, Buffalo's definitely trending upwards and Steelers are trending downwards after that loss last week. But what are your first initial thoughts here, Connor, for the, for the Steelers and the, the Bills in this one? Well, this is going to be a great game. You know, we have two of the best teams in the league based on their records. Um, 
Pittsburgh's coming off that loss against Washington. I, I think they're going to have a nice bounce back game. I mean, especially um, as a road dog and they, you know, they were the undefeated team all year um, widely looked at as a top three team. I think the bills we, we had below that. And so the advantage here is that, is that the home field advantage, the point and a half kicker. All right. So then we're saying it, it's a toss them on a neutral field. I'm going to go with Roethlisberger. I don't totally trust Josh Allen yet. I think he's still developing. He still has some mental hiccups. Um, the Bills uh, look extremely talented and explosive, so it's hard to say that they can't beat the Steelers' defense after some crucial losses on their defense. Um, who went down? Devin yeah, Bush. Yeah, Devin and Bush and Dupree. Uh, Dupree. Two very crucial. Two of their best four players. I mean, TJ Y is an animal, and he might be the he might be alongside Aaron Donald the best player, defensive player in in the league. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Minka Fitzpatrick is really good out of the cornerback position for them. Yeah, and, and last week we saw against Washington. Washington has really good defense. You know, Chase Young was getting into the back backfield all game. Um, I think when, when they have James Conner back instead of Benny Snell, they'll, they'll be a little bit more effective on offense um, because James Conner does a little bit more. Um, Benny Snell is more of a, uh, a just a pure runner, whereas James Conner can do a little bit of something in the passing game as well, and I think yeah. it should open up some more doors on offense uh, for the Steelers to get it going. Certainly. Yeah, I, I relayed this – this pick to you to start because um, I've heard, a like I said, I've heard a lot of people discuss this game and it seems like I, I didn't, I didn't let you know before I, I threw it over to you, but it seems like a lot of people on this game are actually on the bills. And I've heard, you know, I borrow a lot of, um, I, I borrow a lot of ways like, I'll use my, my my content consumption, my podcast consumption, and my articles that I read. I use them as as um, ways to to direct my investigations when I'm looking at team when I'm looking at games. And so, if I hear, if I, like for example, I really uh, I really um, will rely on the analysis and interpretations of R.J. Bell on the R.J. Bell Dream Pre- Preview podcast. He works with Steve Fezzik and Matty Holt. He calls them and. Um, they are all of them on Buffalo in this game. And, and that was what really had me looking at this one, wanting to dive in deeper to see if I was missing something. Because like you said, I'm actually leaning towards Pittsburgh as one of the better values of this week. The money line in particular, you're getting positive odds at plus 110 to plus 120 or so on Pittsburgh to win this game outright. And look, I understand the trend, like you said, the be I said earlier that the Buffalo trend line is definitely improving. They, they, like I said, won five for the last six. The offense has looked good, um, especially against the the Chargers two weeks ago, and they were and they were good on Monday night against the uh, San Francisco 49ers last week as well. So they, they're like I'm saying, Buffalo should win this game. It seems like Buffalo should be the team to be on because everybody was like ready to, to really cash in that chip of, I told you so about the Steelers, you know, everybody was like, try to quick to say this team's not, they were 11 and 0 and saying that this team was not an undefeated team. They weren't talented enough. And sure enough, they were right. You know, they weren't, they weren't good enough to go 16 and 0, but you know, the Steelers team is still probably one of the best well-rounded teams in the NFL this season. And while, I, I think Buffalo is going to be a very formidable opponent. I mean, likely on paper, a much better opponent than Washington was last week for the Steelers. Um, I feel like I, I'm trying to zig while others are zagging in this matchup by picking Steelers. Steelers, and my thought was, you know, if there was one coach and one football team 
besides the New England Patriots that can bounce back from a gut punch loss, can bounce back from, you know, uh, they, they, look, they look bad last week. I mean, let's just be honest. They didn't look great against Washington. The offense couldn't move the ball. They looked exhausted in the second half. They really, they, I mean, they were off to, a, I think it was what, 14 to three lead at halftime, and then they lost that game. You know, they really collapsed down the stretch, and I think it was a really poor reflection of their scheduling issues. I mean, this is going to be their third game third game in 11 days, and so that's the main argument here I have against Pittsburgh is this is going to be an exhausting schedule for them. I mean, to go down the stretch, they're, they're playing possibly the best team they face in a few weeks now in the Buffalo Bills, and this is their third game, like I said, in 11 days. And so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Maybe um, – I'm, I honestly might like the Bills more in the second half. I think that the Steelers are going to have to get out to a good lead in this one. So if, if the Steelers are tied or behind at halftime, I don't love their chances to win this game. I think the Steelers, the first half is crucial for them. Um, but like I said, the Steelers and Mike Tomlin are one of the only teams that could really bounce back from a loss like that last week. A really huge gut punch to to their efforts um, to go undefeated, obviously against the Washington football team. And, and they, they lost a lot of respect as uh, amongst like, you know, the football heads and the people that discuss the sport as one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, I don't think that's the case because I think that it's just, it's the Steelers have been dealt really tough hand by the league with this scheduling issue, these scheduling issues. And so while I I'm hesitant like I'm not confident in in the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. I'm a little bit short on them, um, and so I feel like the Steelers are good value this week because you can get positive odds on their money line. And you, and at the eleven and one football team, I'm I'm long on the Steelers. I mean, I think the Steelers are still a Super Bowl contending team. I think, like I said, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are one of those teams that the coaching makes a difference on this roster, and they're one of the best teams, best run organizations in the NFL. And I think if anybody can really like use this nobody believes in us attitude nobody nobody can you know expect us to win this game and everybody's down on us I think they could really use that narrative to fuel their their game and and their their success in this matchup against the Bills and we'll go ahead yeah I think I think you're absolutely right on point here I mean Mike Tomlin somehow found a way to win seven or eight games last season with Mason Rudolph and yeah. uh, Duck, Duck Hodges, that quarterback. Yeah. So you're giving them a much healthier roster. And when looking at last week's game, I think it's important to dissect how Washington beat the Steelers and to say, well, do the bills have the ability to replicate some of what they did? And if you, you're just looking at the box score, it was really Logan Thomas that did all the yes. damage. I think nine for 80 and one or two touchdowns. I don't remember. I think he had one play where he got um, down like at the one yard line, but I think they, they were able to take advantage of some of those linebacker injuries on, on the Steelers and utilize Logan Thomas in that area. And I, don't know if the Bills really want to have that in the game plan. They really like yeah. to split the ball between Zach Moss and Singletary, and then they love to get the ball out to Diggs and Beasley. But Dawson Knox really is an, an impact player for their offense at tight end. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they're going to be able to lean on him the same way that Alex Smith used Logan Thomas um, to beat the Steelers last week. Yeah, the Steelers are going to be one of the best defenses, if not the best defense that Buffalo has faced this season. So mm-hmm. while, like I said, Buffalo's offense has looked good in recent weeks, this is going to be a test for them. And 
Buffalo's defense, a lot of people have been trying to say this week that to, to support their analysis of their Buffalo pick this week, they're trying to say that the defense for Buffalo has looked pretty good in recent weeks. And they're not wrong. I mean, they did play pretty well against the Chargers and then the, and the 49ers over the last two weeks. Um, they did put, but the Chargers they put up a goose egg against the Pats. Um, so maybe the defensive performance that the Buffalo Bills had against the Chargers last um, two weeks ago is looking less impressive um, after that Chargers loss to the Patriots last week. And so um, the Buffalo defense has really relied on their increased blitz rates this year. They've blitzed on 37.2% of the time. That's above average in the NFL. I think they're right around seven or eight um, in blitz rate this season uh, against opposing quarterback dropbacks this season. And uh, that rate has only increased in recent weeks, but the bills have been relying heavily on their pass rush and getting to the quarterback on, on heavy blitzes. And how do you combat the blitz? And one way to do that is to get rid of the ball before they can reach the quarterback and big Ben for the Steelers is leading the league this year in the least amount of time held onto the football in the pocket this year. He's getting the ball out of his hand on average in 2.1 seconds. That's the fastest rate in the league. And he's getting hit at one of the lowest rates in this, in the NFL this year. And big Ben really, he's really relying on the short passes, you know, those, those five to six to, to, to seven to eight yards uh, completions. And, and he really is good at, formulating drives and, and keeping the football and, you know, just t- taking time off the clock and just taking chunk yards out of, out of short, short and steady, you know, slow and steady going down the field. And I think that's that the drops last week for the, for the wide receivers for Pittsburgh really just put a wrench into that plan and that, you know, that strategy of theirs because the drops were killing them and Ebron and, and Deontay Johnson really just had some really bad drops last weekend. And they're leading the league in drops. Yeah. 31 drops on the season leading the NFL really just, that was, I thought the, the, the knife in their back last week, they really were just, tripping on themselves trying to catch those passes and they couldn't and and you could bet your ass like like I said Mike Tomlin is going to be hands-on with that wide receiver core this week and he's going to be addressing those drop issues best way he that he can and I I, I could bet you right I could tell you right now I know for sure without looking at their practice film they were they caught at least like 100 to 200 passes a day each of all those all those wide receivers did and you, you, I, you, they've caught a, a thousand plus passes this week. I, I guarantee you. And they're, they're, that is on the front of their minds, the wide receiver court. We cannot drop any more passes. That is hamstringing our team right now. We need those points. And really, my final handicap for this game is I was listening to a, the Bill Simmons podcast last week, and this is why I'm on Pittsburgh this week. It's because Ryan Shazier was talking to Bill Simmons about. Mike Tomlin and his experience with the Pittsburgh Steelers and t- Ryan Shazier, obviously he's, he's a former Pittsburgh great. He's a future hall of famer. He's not exactly an unbiased source of information for the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, but I believe this about him and what he had to say. And he says he basically cannot say enough good things about Mike Tomlin and his, his ability to just be an incredible football coach. He's just incredible at coaching football. And, Alongside, I mean, I, I still think Bill Belichick is the genius of the NFL's history. I mean, that guy's an he's awesome. But Mike Tomlin's right there with him. And if if the Patriots weren't around over the last decade or two, we would talk be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how amazing their sports excellence run has been. And Mike Tomlin, Brian Chazier was talking about how he'll he'll focus extra attention on an, on the struggling facets of the t- of their team. 
And so when one, one facet of the team is struggling and in this example, I was talking about the wide receivers and the running game for Pittsburgh has been a key for them. They have not been running the ball very well. I guarantee you this week, he spent more time helping with their preparation to help them improve on game days going forward. And Shazier, like I said, albeit a, a biased source of information, he consistent, consistently praises Tomlin's ability to fi- uh, address and fix the issues for their team. He's a, no, he's a no-nonsense coach, and you can almost certainly bet that the Steelers spent this week preparing like their season is on the line coming into this game against the Bills. And they have one of the NFL's absolute best coaching assist, coaches assisting uh, assisting the Steelers problem solving this week. And so Tomlin, no doubt has been incredibly hands-on with the offense's preparation this week. So look for, look, you said James Conner is coming back, but also center Marquise Pouncey is coming back. So look for the rushing attack to get back on track this week against Buffalo. Buffalo's team defense ranks 18th against the rush and rush DVOA. So this could be a get right matchup for James Conner in the Pittsburgh ground game. Um, but again, I'm pick, I'm picking the Steelers money line at plus 110 to plus 120. I think it's one of the best values of the week. You're picking an 11 and one football team who everybody's sleeping on, who has yeah. one of the best coaches in the NFL, who's a sleeping dog right now. I mean, really, they're ready to pounce. And the only argument I could think of that really the main argument I could think of against Pittsburgh this week is just the scheduling, the scheduling crunch that this is 11, 11 days, three games. That's not easy. But, you know, I think that if anybody could overcome that, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin. Yeah. And maybe, you know, knowing that this is the back end of the stretch, you know, a lot of teams with right in the middle, you know, they'll falter a little bit on, on a long road. And um, that's what we kind of saw last week with the, with the Washington game and with the Steelers, they're, they're easily the number one defense in my rankings. Um, they're giving up 40 yards less uh, than average in terms of the passing yards per game compared to the average defense. Mm-hmm. Um And when I'm saying compared to the average defense, basically I'm talking about the bills because in every single metric across the board, when it comes to like passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, the bills are essentially an average average. defense. So if I'm, if I'm looking at this, I think the bills have a more explosive offense. um, Just the way that Stefan Diggs is playing and the way that Allen's playing. But I give, I would say the difference between the bills offense and the Steelers offense is much smaller than the difference between the Steelers defense and the bills defense. Mm -hmm. And I say on aggregate, the Steelers then would have an advantage and that's why I'm leaning on them in this game. I'd agree with that. All right, let's go on the next matchup. We're looking at the, I like this game. I, I will, we'll bring this one up first. The New Orleans Saints versus the Philadelphia Eagles. In Philadelphia, New Orleans is laying seven points. I've seen it bet down to seven and a half. The over-under line here at 43. I have a strong opinion on this one. And uh, my main thought is, so the Saints are rolling on a nine-game winning streak coming into this one. Beat Atlanta last week, 21 to 16. Eagles have lost four in a row recently to the Packers, 16 to 30 last week. I am heavily, heavily on the New Orleans Saints this week. I have them basically as my hinge team. I have them in every parlay, every teaser, every, you know, I have them straight up and I have the under on this matchup. I have it. Basically my analysis is here. Sean Payne is one of the best coaches alongside Mike Tomlin and, and Bill Belichick. And so I talked about coaching with Tomlin Peyton can be considered basically in that same vein. People sleep on him too much. And what do good coaches do against young rookie quarterbacks making their debuts? 
they kick their ass. They kick their asses. You know, it's a, it's it's going to be a, a rough day for Jalen Hurts in his debut this week. I just don't see the Philadelphia Eagles being able to score more than like 10 to 13 points, honestly. And I, I'll take the team under on the Philadelphia point total. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, this New Orleans defense is vicious. I, I have them as the number four ranked defense. And when, when you have that going up against a rookie quarterback who, by all means, the, the Eagles organization has not done right by Carson Wentz and coached him up well, why would I trust that they're going to help prepare Jalen Hurts to be ready for this game at all? Yeah. So I, I don't Hold know on. what type of game plan they're going to be able to put in place at this point in the right. season. Um, Jalen Hurts kind of has that same kind of vibe of like Lamar Jackson had last year where you need for him to succeed a system built around his skill set, his ability to make plays with his feet, play action, right. making bootlegs. You got to keep guys on the move. And like you said, I don't think this coaching staff, if they can't fix a more talented quarterback that most of us would agree to that, agree to that Carson Wentz is at least more talented when he's playing well than, than Jalen Hurts. If they can't fix him, how are they going to, you know, put together a whole new system built around Jalen Hurts, who's not exactly the most talented quarterback out of this last rookie class. And I don't know how they could put together a whole new system to help this guy win against one of the league's best defenses in just one week. You know, I have no confidence in Doug Peterson and the rest of the Philadelphia coaching staff to fix this offense with a, a less talented quarterback. And I, and in one, in just one week, I don't see how that happens. And mm-hmm. D- Dennis Allen for the, the, the defensive coordinator for the New Orleans saints has really got that defense humming right now. New Orleans is their defense has been their backbone for the last few weeks. And they're really, you said that over the season that they're four, honestly, over the last month or two, they might be the first alongside like the Rams and, and the Steelers. But yeah, the, the, this New Orleans Saints team is they're they're vicious, like you said. They're giving up 40 yards less per game on the ground uh, compared to league average. So Miles Sanders is going to be a hard fade in this game. Additionally, they're also better than average against the pass, giving up 30 less yards than average. And um, they're also giving up 0.6 rushing touchdowns less than average. Now that's the biggest number I have on my comparison board in terms of variance to average. So this team's run defense is incredible. That line creates a lot of pressure. Yeah. And the one thing we know about the Eagles offensive line from watching Carson <laughs> Wentz get murdered all yeah. season like is that the they are bad. Yeah. If I can play the Saints defense, I will. I think there's going to be a few sack fumbles uh, or interceptions yeah. because they're going to be creating a lot of pressure, a lot of quarterback hits. Um, the Eagles might find success if Jalen Hurts can pull a little Kyler Murray and, and figure out a way to get out of the pocket and use his legs, but that's the only way I can that's see him having You know, that only works for a player or two. Yeah. That's not going to work over the course of the full game. Yeah, and then we're seeing with Kyler, it's not, it hasn't been working over the course of the full season. Teams start to pick up on that, you know? Yeah. Especially and the Saints when we're talking about a good coach and, and a really totally, strong defense. Totally. I'm with you. We're vibing on this one. I'll I'll take the Saints on a heavy edge on their defense. Like you said, their defense has been elite. I'll take I'll give them a heavy edge in coaching. And the Saints go figure have a QB edge at quarterback with Taysom Hill. Go figure over Jalen Hurts this week. I mean, Taysom Hill is still a big question mark in his own right, but you know, he's he's better than Jalen Hurts for the purposes of this game. And um, like I said, I like the Saints minus seven. I like them, honestly, even up to like minus 10, even honestly. Um, and I like the under at 43. The Eagles games this year have hit the under on 66.7% of the time. That's two thirds of the time. The Eagles have 
hit the under on their point total in their game. That's four and eight this season. The Saints haven't uh, had the over hit in one of their games since week eight against the Bears. So the Saints unders have hit over the last, how many weeks is that? Six or seven in a row. And uh, I, I expect that one to go under again this week for the New Orleans Saints and Philadelphia Eagles. I parlayed the Saints minus seven and a half to the under 43 point total in this one. I like it. All right, next matchup. Let's roll into another really marquee matchup on the week. Monday Night Football. This is a this is two teams that are really uh, going in opposite directions yeah, right now. It seems that way. Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Baltimore is coming in as the home fate of the road favorite. Baltimore's laying two and a half points. The point uh, over under point total at forty seven. Cleveland coming off a great win against Tennessee last week. They were our best bet of the week in week 13, them along with the Rams. And um, that game played Damn, out. That paid off. <laughs> yeah, that game paid out, played out just like we handicapped it on our podcast. Really, we nailed. We had some great analysis, and I think we're getting a good grasp. We called Chubb over Derrick Henry. Yeah, we're really starting to figure out this Browns team. And I think that while a lot of people think they're pretenders, I think that at nine and three, the Browns need to start to be taken seriously in this NFL. And I, 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 the numbers suggest that the Browns are the better team in this matchup, honestly. And the Ravens here, they got a good win against Dallas last week on Tuesday night, but they're a team that's been generally trending in the wrong direction over the last month or so. I think the win against Dallas was not a get right game for them. Dallas is not a good win. That team, the the Dallas (laughs) Dallas Cowboys might be one of the worst combinations, have the one of the worst combinations of defense and defensive coordinator in the league. There's some of the leagues, that combination of of Dallas on their defense is some of the league's worst by every measurement this season. They're terrible. And Lamar still didn't throw the ball exceptionally well. He threw just 12, he was just 12 for 17, 107, 107 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. So, the really the, the underlying problems here for Baltimore are, are the passing game and the offensive line. Neither problem is fixed coming into this game against Cleveland. I, I I'm, I'm hinting at it already. I'm, I like Cleveland here a plus two, two and a half. Um, and I like the under 47 parlay, but go ahead, Connor. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on the, on the same page here. I think Cleveland wants to control the ball. They have two, the, maybe the best running back combo in the league with, with Chubb and Hunt. And I think they're going to be able to control this game. I don't see Lamar being able to complete enough passes to keep the Cleveland offense off of the field. I think that the Cleveland's going to be able to create pressure with Miles Garrett. Um, and, you know, they do get Mark Andrews back, which is huge for Lamar. Uh, in terms of his passing accuracy, because it's a guy with a huge catch radius in, yeah. in the red zone, which should help. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're going to be. I don't think Cleveland's defense is by by any means going to completely shutter yeah. Baltimore's offense. I think they're going to still be able to run the ball decently effective. J.K. Dobbins has been looking better. They're kind of shifting away from Mark Ingram, which I think is the smart play because he he looks kind of old and washed up. Um, I, I would know since I drafted him. So. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, I think we're on Cleveland though because what we've seen Baker's doing well controlling the ball, and last week he even showed that he can get the ball out to his wide receivers. Are sleeping take, on Baker, he, we we suggested him in DraftKings. He was like fifty seven hundred. I think he threw like three hundred yards and three yeah. touchdowns in the first half, didn't he? I mean, it was yeah. like, what's happening right now? And he's a game manager, and, and you know, I, I give all the credit to Kevin Stefanski and that Cleveland offensive yeah. plan. You know, they're, the 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 Browns really understand what their strengths are, and Baker Mayfield. 
he's not the he's not going to be the most talented quarterback out there. You know, he's probably right around league average to below average in talent and in, in for the NFL in this league. But he's he knows how to manage the game clearly, and he's he's yeah. been able to manage this Cleveland offense to a, a good chunk of uh, some successful wins here this season. Give the ball to Chubb, who's averaging like five never, and a half, six yards right? per it, carry. It doesn't hurt you know? to have the most effective, efficient running back in the NFL this year. <laughs> if you're starting, if you're starting at second and four, that's a, a position a lot of quarterbacks can totally. be very successful in. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of funny this week because I've seen a, a decent amount of handicappers and like fa- fantasy evaluators trying to say that all week that basically this this is a bad matchup for the Browns offense. The Ravens defense is going to slow them down this week, and it's a bad matchup for Chubb and Hunt and Landry, et cetera, in, in fantasy football. And so you look at the season, the season-long stats, the Ravens defense ranks seventh best in DVOA on the season right now. But over the last four weeks, they're 28th. The, the Ravens defense is, is sliding. They're not playing well in recent weeks. Over the last four, I said they're 28th. And the Browns have been trending upwards. The offense has been, in, as I think, their fifth or sixth or so ranked offense in the NFL. I was listening to RJ Bell talk about this. And um, notable Ravens injuries I wanted to highlight, too. Cornerbacks Jimmy Smith has a groin problem, limited practice on Friday. Tremont Williams has a thigh issue. He did not practice all week. Defensive tackle Broderick Washington, concussion, limited practice on Friday. Linebacker Anthony Levine, abdominal problem, did not practice all week. Other guys that haven't really practiced much this week, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Pernell McPhee, Marcus Peters. Those guys haven't practiced for non-injury reasons apparently, but I guess they're expected to play on Monday night, but we'll see. The Ravens are going to be hamstrung with some cluster injuries in their defensive secondary position. So it's possible that we might be able to see the Browns and Baker Mayfield continue to throw the ball well through the air this week. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay. We've seen some more recently, some, some holes in, in the Ravens defense, especially in that line with the injuries that they're dealing with. I think Calais Campbell is going to be a, a, a big impact player, whether he can suit up or not. He's been in and out of the lineup all year. And it seems like the games he is in, they, they are more successful against the run. When talking about the Ravens defense um, on average, they're giving up 16 yards less uh, in terms of pass and receiving yards. And in terms of rushing yards, they're only giving up five yards less than average compared to the league. Oh, so okay. where they're re- what they're doing is they're really successful um, against giving up touchdowns. Uh, so mm-hmm. on the yardage aspect, they're not that much better than league average. But what they are doing is they're giving up uh, 0.3 less pass touchdowns per game. And additionally, they're also giving up 0.3 less rushing touchdowns per game than average. So when you aggregate that, they're giving up about a, uh, a little less than a touchdown per game than yeah. the average defense, which is going to be a big impact. That's a, that's a large swing in terms of points. Well, so I mean, the question is, how is, how do they perform in the red zone? Yeah, and I mean, Baltimore last week had a cupcake matchup, like I said, against Dallas. Dallas is, they ranked 32nd against the run this season, 32nd. And so uh, while you want to say, yeah, maybe Baltimore could run the ball against Cleveland this week and continue to rely on that for their success on offense, Cleveland ranks 19th in, in against the rush. And Miles Garrett has not been healthy for the whole season, so that includes those games. Miles Garrett is back for the Cleveland Browns, and he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And so while... Baltimore was able to have a field day against Dallas on, on offense uh, last week, running the ball. 
Lamar Jackson ran the ball really well last week, and the Ravens ran the ball as a as a as a group last week. I think that the Browns are going to give them a little bit more trouble this week. It's they're not going to be able to you know move the ball like they were able to last uh, the last matchup against Dallas for the Ravens. Um, my worry. My only worry here for Cleveland is Baltimore is the best defense they've faced since week six against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so I looked at their last matchups for Cleveland. You could, while I'm talking bad about Baltimore, they're still better than these, these six defenses. Look at these teams that the Cleveland Browns have been facing Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Philadelphia Eagles, Houston Texans, Las Vegas Raiders, Cincinnati Bengals. That's six cupcake wow. defenses Holy out of their last bro. seven. Yeah, Steelers, the Steelers they faced in week six. So the last six games for the Cleveland Browns, really just not, really weak defenses. And so the, I think the cluster injuries in the secondary are kind of key, are kind of key for the Baltimore Ravens. Keep an eye on those to make sure that uh, that the Ravens are a little bit hamstrung in that asset of, facet of the game. But I think that Cleveland can keep their, their momentum rolling in this one. I think that Baltimore is getting a little bit too much value. Um, giving making them the favorite two and a half. I think there's some value in Cleveland at plus two and a half, as well as I think the under 47 parlay could be a decent a decent play as well. I think that um, the defenses here are going to be playing a little bit better than expected in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when looking at the Cleveland Browns defense, their strength is in their defensive line and in against the run. And what their uh, weakness is, is through the air. They're giving up um, 15 more pass yards per game and 0.4 pass touchdowns per game compared to the league average. So that means that, you know, they're very susceptible to a high octane passing offense. Well, that is certainly not the Ravens. Um, so I don't think that Lamar will be able to take advantage of Cleveland's weakness through the air. And, Cle- and the Ravens are going to try to run straight into the strength of this defense, um, making it a tough matchup on the Ravens uh, side uh, of the yeah. ball as well. They're going to need to get creative on offense. The Ravens, they need, they're going to need to yeah. start, you know, showing some sort of magic that they had last year with Lamar Jackson. And I don't have, I don't know that they have that this season. I don't know that they have that deep in their bag to reach in. It, and It really and, seems like it's just Lamar, you know, yeah. that's the difference because the, they're running similar offensive schemes. You know, I have seen some drops. I think the offensive but, line is a big problem for them this year. Really yeah. l- last year, their offensive line was one of the best five, I think in the league <laughs> this year, they're well below average. And I think that some of the injuries have gone to them. Um, and that's just, I think that's really been their most difficult challenge to overcome this year, because when you have an inconsistent at, at best offensive line, it really just hinders your ability to have your quarterback work the way Lamar does with his feet. He's limited in his time. He doesn't have as much space. He doesn't have as many options to go to. It's an, it's a problem that just kind of stems out and it affects other issues around the offense. And I think that's been one of the main, the main problems for the Baltimore Ravens this year. All right, let's roll into the next game. And this one has been a close matchup in handicap in the handicapping world. I've seen uh, people on both sides of this one, but I want to touch on it briefly because I have some thoughts on one part of this, this matchup, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the the Los Angeles chargers in LA. The Atlanta Falcons are a home, a home favorite. I mean, a road favorite. Falcons are uh, one, laying one and a half points to the Los Angeles Chargers in this one. The point over under point total of 49 and a half. The Falcons lost to the Saints last week, but they have won four of their last five games, not against New Orleans. They lost two of their last three to the Saints. And so if you look at their last five games that were not against the New Orleans Saints, they've won four of them. 
And so, I mean, you take out those Saints games. The Saints might be. We, We're we saying can, the Saints are a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, so keep and that so in the mind. Falcons aren't, and neither of these teams are Super Bowl contending teams. And so we're looking at some less talented teams in, in the Falcons and the Chargers compared to the New Orleans Saints, obviously. And last week, the Chargers hit what felt like rock bottom last week against the Patriots losing 40, 45 to nothing. But clearly, it wasn't rock bottom, apparently, because Anthony Lynn is still coaching the Los Angeles Chargers. He's still there. He got a job this week. <laughs> uh, if I was that bad at my job, I, I, that, oh I would have easily lost my right? job right now. I mean, that's my. this is my handicap here, Anthony Lynn. So this is what I got to say about this pick and why I, I, can't, I can't pick the Chargers. I'm not going to pick the Chargers again this season until no. Anthony Lynn is no longer the head coach. I refuse to put money, to, to put my hard-earned hard money on the Los Angeles Chargers. And I feel like it's might as well just burn it. I might as well just burn my money right then and there. <laughs> I mean, what I see in terms of the difference between these two teams is one got rid of an awful coach who's been hamstringing the team for years, and the other one didn't. They have similar levels of talent on both sides of the ball, in my yeah, opinion. They're both have great that. offensive playmakers, but it comes down to one team decided <laughs> to keep their awful head coach who totally mismanages everything and the other said we're gonna fire him and now they're playing better (laughs) yeah and my thoughts here are anthony lynn and it came back to when i was listening to the bill simmons podcast last week and ryan shazier his thoughts with tomlin and about shazier praising him tomlin's ability to address and and have a struggling group on his team and tomlin's ability to go to that struggling group uh, and of players on his team and give them extra attention and assistance with game planning and helping them improve It had me thinking about Anthony Lynn and how a few weeks ago, Anthony Lynn relieved the special teams coordinator of his responsibilities and Lynn took on a more prevalent role in the special teams coordination for the Los Angeles Chargers. But last week was possibly the Chargers' worst performance yet this season on special teams. The Patriots punted, get this, Patriots punted five times in the game last week. The Chargers had the wrong number of players on the field for three of those five punts. One series, the Chargers lined up for a punt with 12 players on the field. They got flagged and they gave up the first down. And then three plays later, they lined up for another punt and they had 10 players on the fucking field. The Chargers had 10 players on the field after four plays after they had 12. Like, they made Gunnar Osheski look like uh, Devin Hester, the, man. The it was crazy. Two, they had two t- two special teams touchdowns last week, the Patriots. Anthony Lynn gave more attention to the special teams unit for the Chargers, and it did absolutely nothing for them. They're still ranked dead last in, in special teams DVOA rankings. Anthony Lynn cannot coach. He can't coach. And, you know, I love, I, you know, I actually like the guy. I like when he speaks. Yeah. I think he's a professional person. Like he has a good demeanor. Huge fan of him, him on hard knocks. Huge. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see any evidence that Anthony Lynn knows how to problem solve and fix issues in the NFL. I don't see any, any evidence of that, especially this season. And Honestly, well, a key, I can't, a key like I said, is I can't to look at charges. how a team like in, in a drubbing like that where you're down really big, 
a great way to, I think you can, you can gauge coaching is what do they do at halftime to correct for what was going wrong in that game. And honestly, last week it only got worse. So you're absolutely correct when you're saying he's not a good problem solver. They had no idea how to get anything right against the Pats and the Pats were just handed their ass this week. Took him to school. The Pats clearly aren't a very talented team this year. So really what it came down to last week was the coaching matchup and it really just showed the difference in pedigree between the two, uh, Belichick and Lynn. Totally. And for those reasons, I can't pick the Chargers. I don't care who their opponent is. I'm either staying away or I'm betting the opponent. And I think the Atlanta plus one and a half line could be decent. I don't love that Julio Jones is not playing in this one. I think they're minus one and a half. Yeah, sorry. The the Falcons are minus one and a half. I think that they um, they could still be a decent value here against the Chargers. There's no there's no no real home field advantage even with the Chargers fans there. I mean, it'll be it'll be half Falcons fans anyways, you know. So it's so five field man. I feel bad for the Chargers. Really, just playing baby brother to the Rams, and the Rams are a great team this season. And uh, the Chargers have a lot to work on, to say the least. The SoFi logo is that baby blue, though, so it does vibe with the uh, Chargers jerseys <laughs> the a Rams, little bit better the than the Rams. Stole. The Rams kind of stole some of the Chargers logos and like color schemes too, with the blue and yellow. And the, the Rams redesigned jerseys look pretty sick. They do. I do yeah. like them a lot. The, the helmets and the, too. The white's like kind of off white. It's kind of like a cream white. I like mm-hmm. it. But going back to this game, like I said, I I can't justify any any recommendation to the chargers until Anthony Lynn and the coaching problems with the the chargers get fixed. And I don't think it's going to happen this season. Honestly, if Anthony Lynn was going to get fired, I feel like it would have happened already this year because if they had anybody internally that they would even consider to take on this head coaching position, they would have already given him an opportunity. They have nobody on this coaching staff that knows what they're doing. I don't think that this anybody in the organization is going to be able to fix the problems that they have. I think it's going to, they're just going to roll into the next offseason and have to find a new head coach, possibly a new GM, honestly. They need some sort of regime change here in, in the Los Angeles Chargers office. And it's really too bad because they've done a great job of aggregating talent. So they yeah, just I mean, need somebody just remember, to put it, put it in place with a game I plan. I mean, you look at the, you look at the, the last two draft classes. If you were to tell me a lot of, a lot of scouts, if you, if you give them the opportunity to, to take any, any quarterback from the last two drafts, any, any quarterback from the last two years, almost all of them are going to be taking Justin Herbert, especially after the Joe Burrow injury and Kyler Murray uh, kind of showing some of his weaknesses over the last few weeks. I think that Justin Herbert, is easily the most talented quarterback right now out of the young, young group of, of, of pass throwers we have in the league. And Justin Herbert is, I mean, Anthony Lynn was dealt a, a pocket aces with that guy. I mean, you don't get a franchise quarterback like that franchise quarterback like that coming around very often. And if you can't capitalize on that, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You, you, you can't problem solve. You can't fix things on your team. You're not going to win. If if you can't fix issues that you you clearly have week week in and week out, I don't know what to tell you because they're clearly not practicing enough on on the things that make them that are making them struggle this year. They're not practicing enough on the on their struggles, and I don't know. I'm gonna I I, I, I like I said I, I'm never gonna put any money on the Chargers until those things are fixed. All right, next matchup we're rolling to a NFC. North North battle, the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. Green Bay, the favorite, lane eight and a half points. The over-under total at 55. Look, the, coming into this one, I don't I can't justify a pick 
on Detroit. I just, I can't. And last week it felt like Detroit got the win purely out of spite against Matt Patricia and that their excitement that he is no longer the head coach of this team. But look, that, that hangover is going to be wearing off here in this matchup. This is going to be a sobering matchup for the Detroit Lions facing possibly the best offense in the NFL. Green Bay's offense is incredible. Incredible. I mean, you, you could put them up there with the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, for the, some of the best offense in the NFL this year. Yeah. And it, when, when healthy, this Green Bay team, with all the weapons that Rodgers has um, to work with, I mean, he really gets the most out of his, his talent and his, his, uh, his ta- the talent around him. And this Green Bay offense is just humming on all cylinders right now. Detroit, they do play the Packers t- tough at home. They play them tough uh, in Detroit. It's going to be um, in the, the Ford Center, the, the, the Ford Field. And um, the thing is, though, Detroit just doesn't have the talent on defense to slow down Green Bay's offense. And they don't have an offense capable of keeping up with Green Bay on, on and their offense, like I said. And D- Detroit has no Kenny Galladay. DeAndre Swift is coming back, so that will help a little bit. But, you know, this is just not a, a, good, a good play for Detroit this week. I think Green Bay, like the eight and a half is not ideal. That's a tough, that's a tough spread to cover, especially in a divisional battle where Detroit notoriously gives them tough games uh, for no reason, really, no really explanation. Detroit will just play them tough. And I can see that happening in this one. And um, the eight and a half spread is tough. I, I, I like green Bay more so in a, in a teaser, if anything, I like them to obviously win this game or maybe throw them into a money line uh, parlay to increase, to boost your odds. I think that there's no real, no doubt that they'll win this game, but they, like I said, the eight and a half spread is, is kind of tough. Yeah, I feel pretty good about Green Bay here. D- Detroit is bottom of the barrel when it comes to defenses. I have them second to last only um, ahead of the Cowboys. And the, the Lions are giving up 0.66 rushing touchdowns per game above league average. That's the highest on the entire uh, variance board I, ha- yeah. I, I built together. So, I mean, Aaron Jones should easily get into the end zone based on that. Because I think there's a chance while, while I'm saying that there's a chance that this game is close for no real reason. I think that the stats (laughs) suggest that this is just a divisional game, right? Sometimes it's weird. Exactly. And the stats kind of suggest that these two teams are so different in talent that the Green Bay Packers could blow them absolutely out of the water. And if that's the case, I'll actually like Jamal Williams because the Packers will go to Williams like in late in the game or the second half when mm-hmm. they're up by big, a big amount of points. They'll let Aaron Jones take a, take a seat, get some rest, and they'll let Jamal Williams just cook and he'll get like a garbage time touchdown or things like, you know, he'll get a good 10 to 10, 15 carries from the backfield. I think Aaron Jones is an elite play this week. I also think Jamal Williams could be a decent value, but in DFS, he's priced out right around what I would be willing to pay for him. So it's not much mm-hmm. value there. Um, yeah, I think in, you know, everyone will see later. We're definitely foreshadowing that we we like the Packers players, and you'll, they'll probably see a few of them in our DFS lineups yeah. when we go through it at the end of <laughs> the show. Don't even step on our toes there just yet. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Uh, it's very tempting. I think Rogers is going to go crazy. Obviously Devonte Adams in that connection is fantastic. And the lions are just so bad on defense. I, I don't know what else there is to say. Um, unless they can, their offense can somehow figure out with Swift to keep their defense off the field and put up some points and run some clock off. But Aaron Rodgers is, is just playing like a man on the mission. I, I'm not hearing his name in MVP conversations enough. Not enough. Yeah. Josh Allen is, is currently third in the MVP voting. I mean, you got to put, you know, what, what's you who, put one Rogers is Mahomes. I assume two is Wilson. 
Wilson. Wow. Wilson's yeah. not been playing well lately. It's, it's That's really surprising. Well, you know, it's going to be Mahomes and everybody else. It doesn't It should really be matter. Mahomes, <laughs> Rodgers. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens down the stretch. I mean, Josh Allen and the Bills, if they beat the Steelers, maybe he, he can put his, his name back into that race too. Yeah. All right, I don't think anyone's touching Mahomes though. Like we 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 should have put money impossible. on Mahomes like five or six late. weeks ago. You yeah, know? he's a heavy favorite. I don't see how anybody yeah. could take it from him. Even if he got injured this week, you know, it's a knock on wood. I don't I don't wish that upon upon him, but you know, it's uh he's played enough by this point, you know, to get that MVP award. He's playing playing off absurdly well. Um next matchup though, let's talk about KC then. Kansas City facing the Miami Dolphins in Miami. The Chiefs are favored by seven points. Look, the Chiefs can smell that one seed now, and so that's my thought here: is they're going, the offense is going to be coming out motivated and, and ready to make a statement win after the Pittsburgh loss last week. They, they could smell that one seed, and it's it, uber important this year to get that one seed. The only team with a bye this this season, with the seven teams making the playoffs, that one seed will be able to take a rest that first week of the playoffs, the wild card weekend. The Chiefs are right there. They they lose the, the wild card. I mean, the uh, the tiebreaker to the Steelers, if they tie, the uh, Steelers have a better divisional sta- divisional uh, schedule or the record. That's the tiebreaker, the divisional record, and the Steelers have a better one right now. And it's going to take a possibly K- – Kansas City probably looks at this like they got to win out. You know, they got to win out the rest of the season to, to clinch that one seed. And – now that they can smell it, I think they're going to come out firing on, on all cylinders on offense, especially this week. And a question here is, can, can Tua keep the Miami offense humming enough to keep up with Kansas City's offense? And my thought is here, I don't count on that. I, I'm not banking on that. I don't think Tua has shown enough uh, flashes of specialness and, and excitement yet. I think he's been playing adequate and reasonably well, but nothing like that really turns your head too much. Nothing too X factor. Like, you know, he's, he's not, he's been, he's been playing, you know, right around league average when he's on the field, right around, but probably a little bit below average. And I haven't seen an, enough specialness out of Tua to, to think that he can lead this Miami offense to be able to keep up with Kansas City's. And I don't care how, how good Miami's defense is. You know, they've been one of the best in the league this year. I just, I don't see how anybody in the league can slow down Kansas city enough, you know, to keep this offense at bay. And I think when, when the chiefs need points, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are going to get points. So. And the crazy thing is the, the chiefs defense is actually very strong too. If you look at their performance, people don't talk about it because they yeah. have Mahomes. but I, I had the dolphins as the number two defense on the year. And I have the chiefs as the number six defense on the year. So the difference between They've been the two is not lately too. Yeah, they're they're way above league average in terms of interceptions. So they're they're getting point uh, four interceptions more per game than league average. And so when you're taking the ball out of the other team's hands and putting it back into the MVP, and he's turning that into points, it just increases that difference between you and your opponent. And that's why we're seeing the Chiefs constantly be successful. Is that their offense is fantastic and their defense is creating turnovers. Um, and I like that trend to continue. Tua, Tua doesn't really turn the ball over. Over that much, but I think they will really hamper him. I think the the Dolphins won't be able to keep up. I mean, two is not even the best quarterback on his own team. I think that's the crazy part. I if the Dolphins really wanted to truly have a chance, I think they would run Fitzpatrick out there because he does increase their ceiling in terms of an offensive totally. production. Totally. And then for for the sake of our Miami to win the NFC East bets, I wish that they would put Fitzpatrick in there. I Me wish, too. Man. It looked like they they went to him, and it looked like uh, Tua had this. Fan 
phantom thumb injury. I thought they were kind of making up an excuse because they knew they had a chance at a playoff run and they're kind of just going to bench Tua and say, we're going to let you heal. We'll give, we'll give you the quarterback job next year. You know, you're not quite ready for a playoff run. Um, but if unfortunately it looks like uh, Fitzpatrick's back on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have much hope for Miami in this one. I think that now, now that the chiefs really have a carrot to play for, they really have that, you know, that you never want to talk about how an elite team needs motivation to be elite. You know, they're, they're elite because they're good, but you know that now that they have this first, this one seed carrot just within their grasp, I don't think they're going to let it go. I think they're really going to be playing their best football to finish out this, this season. But let's roll into the next matchup. We got one more uh, that want, that I wanted to highlight. We could give a little bit of uh, before we wrap up the the pick segment. We could give a little bit of some talk on some of the remaining games. But the one that last one I wanted to discuss here uh, for handicapping purposes is the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. The Colts are the uh, road favorite, laying three points. The Colts are, are minus three in this matchup. Indianapolis, I think, is just the better team. They're seventh in DVOA, while the Raiders are 18th. The Raiders uh, coming off of the win against the Jets last week, and it was honestly kind of an embarrassing win for them. They were skidding already kind of heading into that one, and then they face the worst team in the NFL in the New York Jets, and they had to rely on an awful, just historically awful defensive call by Greg Williams on defense on the zero the zero coverage, all-out blitz to close out that game to basically just give give the, the you know, the Mansell to – the game to John Gruden and the Raiders basically just handed to them on a silver platter. I mean, all right. That was just, I guess my, I've never seen see that. Tainting just, so, so blatant. It was uh, awful to watch. It's, and it, you know, the players aren't tanking. Like the players don't tank in that locker room. They feel like shit that they're about to go. zero and 16. Mm-hmm. Nobody on well, that. You, you heard the defensive players talk about it after the game. They're like, why, why was that the play call? It was unbelievable. Yeah. I heard that that was a play call, and I, I knew what was happening. It was ridiculous. It is terrible, and it's so disheartening. It, it You just you feel for the players in that in that instance. You just – what are you supposed to say? No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that play. That's a terrible like, – literally right? anybody on the defense could have told them that was the wrong call. Anybody. I mean, you look yeah. at the history of that play. They were t- I saw some stats or whatever about how there's been like thousands and thousands of those types of plays over the course of the NFL's history where it's like uh, where like 50 plus yards or whatever to go needed for a touchdown. And, and the differences to- between, yeah, a touchdown yeah. and a field goal. And, the, and you look at the defensive schemes called at every instance, every one of those instances where the criteria of the team, the the time and the yardage needed uh, fit that those criteria. Not one of the defenses called in those plays was the the play call that Greg Williams had with the zero yeah. the zero coverage and all out blitz. There zero was not coverage a single, and six six men blitzing. They've never done that before. Play ever was had ever resembled like that, and it's it was just embarrassing. And so. The Raiders, it's like when they say 99% of scientists agree on something yeah. and like Greg Williams is that one that guy one. being like, wait oh, a minute. Gonna, <laughs> let, me, let me zig while everybody else is zagging on this play. You could drink bleach to kill the <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah. Oh my God. So that was not by any means a momentum building win is my point here for the Raiders. The Raiders are crawling into this matchup against a good Colts team. Don't sleep on the Colts. Um, Jonathan Taylor, T.Y. Hilton, Naheem Hines have all been really great in recent games. 
um, I, I'm getting word uh, on the injury reports for the Colts too that could their offensive lineman Costanzo may come back in this one. He's questionable. Seems like a truly game time decision. He had a couple limited practices this week, although it sounds like he's leaning towards not playing. But if he does play, that's a big that's a big boost for the the Colts offense. I really love them this week if he's able to give it a go. Um, and then the Raiders are have a questionable running back in Josh Jacobs with the ankle problem. Jacobs is is questionable to play. It looks like he's probably not going to play if I had to take a guess, but he looks like a truly game time decision as well. But, you know, I just think the Colts are the better team and I'm comfortable picking them at minus three. I don't love them at minus three and a half. I don't think there's enough value in that. And so this minus three is as far as I'm willing to go for the Colts. I think that if anything, if, if I don't see them, but I don't see them, not covering the three points. I feel, I feel like it could be a push. I think the Colts are going to win this game by at least three. And so if it was three and a half, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Um, but I think that the Colts are just the better team in this one and they should, they should continue to keep the, the hot streaks going for them. Yeah. It, I think we have a general rule that if you should have lost to the jets, then you probably shouldn't bet on that team the next week. <laughs> I like that rule. It's a good one. It's a good rule. Yeah, it's a good rule. I could I get on board with that one. What, what do we call it? The Greg Williams rule or the Gase rule? <laughs> I like it. All right, let's roll into the next matchup. Um, did you want to give any thoughts on your, your team, the, the Giants? I do. On the I want to talk about my Giants here a little bit. And All so right, Cardinals, Cardinals going to New York to take on the Giants. Cardinals are the favorite, laying two and a half points over underline. Point total is 45 and a half. So you're, you're, you're going with the G-men in this one? I am. So I, it's taken me a while to be convinced to hop on to the Giants bandwagon right now. Now this week because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Giants fan. And I, over the past few years, I've just gotten accustomed to losing. And so I, I don't kind of believe it. Um, but Joe Judge has his defense playing outstanding. They yeah. just shut down Russell Wilson, who has looked like an MVP this season, you know, as we talked about earlier. And they, they held, what, the Seahawks to 12 points or something like that? It, it's incredible what Bradbury and Jabril Peppers are doing on that, on that defense in, in terms of uh, the passing game and the Arizona right now with Kyler Murray dinged up, he's been under 200 yards in, in I think three games in a row as well as um, he's only rushing the ball about five times uh, where earlier in the season, he was more in that 10 to 15 range. And that really limits their upside and play calling. I, I, when we're talking about bad coaches, I think we need to throw Cliff Kingsbury into that bucket as well. Uh, I think he's completely, Ooh mismanaging the talent on on the Cardinals and not getting the ball into DeAndre Hopkins hands. This guy has a 99 matting rating, you know, they're, they're throwing Dude. him the ball about three yards down the field. You're flaming hot right now. You're flaming hot. You put, get the fire extinguisher out, man. He's taking the, he's got the hot takes right here. No. Um, so I, give I, me the giants. So they're playing, they're one in seven, they're five and seven. They have a chance to win this division. They might be getting Daniel Jones back. I, I like to, I, I'll, I'm riding them, you know? Yeah. I would feel better about this pick if Daniel Jones is back, but I feel like the line's not two and a half. If Daniel Jones is back, I feel like it creeps creeps up to three, maybe four or so, uh, probably three and a half. It probably settles into um, if Daniel Jones is back. Um, but honestly, I, I I don't have. I'm staying away on this game. But if I had a pick, I I would pick the Giants. And I agree with you. With I think that they're the hotter team right now. And the reason why I'm I'm staying away from this game is I'm hearing that Kyler Murray is improving on this shoulder injury a little bit here. And I mean, it's not going to get worse. You'd like to think. And I know he didn't, he still didn't run the ball much 
last week he still only had five carries. Um, but the, the key, he, he started to throw the ball a little bit better last week. Um, and really just the Rams offense really just, uh, and, and then the defensive touchdown last week for the Rams against the Cardinals. It, there was just some, some plays that just didn't go the Cardinals way, but Kyler Murray did throw the ball a little bit better against the Rams last week. Like I said, still not running the ball quite as well. Like, like you, you're accustomed to seeing uh, Kyler's r- running attack has been about a third of his value this season. So that's key. I think that I'm staying away here just because I think that we could start seeing Kyler Murray possibly um, just get better. And I think that is, there's a, there's a awareness I have that Kyler Murray could start to, you know, show off his, his skill set uh, that we saw earlier in the season where we were thinking he was an MVP candidate and, um, but for all the reasons they're talking about the Giants, their defense has been great. They they got all the momentum rolling into this one, coming off that big win against the Seahawks last week. Uh, Joe Judge has clearly has been coaching this team really well. Has them really disciplined. Uh, talk, we've heard year um, all year about how Joe Judge has really been a strict presence for the Giants, um, enforcing a lot of you know, making them run sprints in practice. You know, a lot of just old school style football yep. coming from that past yeah. system. You know, yeah, exactly. And I think it's taken a year for him to kind of implement the culture he wants in New York, and we're starting to finally see in his second year he's he's starting to get an identity. This is his first year. This is his first year for the Giants, dude. This yeah. 2020, 2020 has felt it's so been long. A Long season, you yeah. Know? Tells you, I, I thought, um, I could, yeah. But go ahead, you're you're, you're well, a well, Giants guy. Well, we're talking about the Cardinals too. So I talked about how the Giants have won five straight. The Cardinals, on the other hand, have lost four out of five coming into yeah, this and game. And they had the win against Buffalo that they had the right. hail, they relied on the hail mary. <laughs> so literally, we could have a team that would have been have lost five in a row coming into this game and another team that's won five in a row. Now, if I were to have told you that, Ben, which team would you tell me is the favorite? It's it's crazy that the Cardinals are the favorite in that sense. If when you look at that, I mean, the look ahead line on this, I think was, yeah, I think the Cardinals were still favored by like three and a half on the look ahead line in this one. So last week's, and I think the giants win against the Seahawks gave them a a point to a point and a half boost. Um, It's one of those things. I think if, if it wasn't the New York giants logo, a lot more people would be on the Giants. It's just that we're so accustomed to the Giants not being good over the past three years or so. And yeah. so people are, are like, like me, people are yet to believe. And I think mm-hmm. it's time that guys, we need to flip the switch and start believing the Giants are good. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you here. I, the only thing is, like I said, I'm worried about is Kyler Murray possibly getting healthier in the Arizona offense kind of coming out of its funk. But, you know, I'm not going to predict that. I'm not, I, I think that the Giants defense is looking really good right now. And, and I think that there's going Arizona offense is going to have a tall task trying to, to move the ball against the Giants this week. Um, before we dive into our DFS segment, I wanted to just touch quickly upon Minnesota at Tampa Bay and Washington at San Francisco. These two matchups, the reason why I want to highlight them is I have slight leans on Minnesota and the Washington football team this week. Tampa Bay is favored by six and a half against the Minnesota Vikings at home. Tampa Bay is San Francisco is in Arizona as the home team. They're laying three points against the Washington football team. So the reason why I highlight these, I highlight these two games is this year, we're seeing a, a, a significant trend on the road 
the road dogs, the road underdogs this this year against the spread are hitting 70 out of 52 as 57.38% of the time the road dogs have been covering against the spread this year. That's a significant trend. 57.38 makes it something that we got to monitor at this point in the season. And you want to give me a road dog, couple road dogs to look at this week. I'll give you Minnesota and Washington football team. I think they could be decent values this week. Um, while Tampa Bay, I think off the bye has me very wary. Tom Brady off the bye is historically good. Um, I think Bruce Arians needs could could have very well used the extra time to get right with his quarterback and get the offense back humming again. So. Well, it's not one of my best bets this week. I think uh, Minnesota has value. It's plus six and a half. I think that that's a very coverable spread for them. Um, And then the Washington football team, honestly, might be one of my favorite money line values as well. I think that they could go into this matchup against San Francisco and just outright win this game. San Francisco off the loss last week to Buffalo. They're spending three weeks away from their families having to quarantine in Arizona to play those games um, in the Arizona Cardinals stadium. San Francisco, I mean... It could be a positive or a negative for them. And I think it's going to, I'm going to interpret it as a negative because of, especially because of the loss last week. And so they have no momentum and their playoff hopes are basically extinguished at this point for they're not eliminated statistically just yet, but for all intensive purposes, it looks like the San Francisco 49ers are going to miss out on this year's playoff picture. And with that said, the, the, the Niners are trending downwards while the football, the Washington football team came off their biggest one of the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week could be rolling high with some momentum going into Arizona against the San Francisco 49ers team. I think that as a road dog getting three points, I think the Washington football team could be a decent value this week. Yeah, I see the the game similarly to you. The Tampa Bay Bucks have been one of the most variable teams on the year. And when talking about the Vikings, this team started out very poorly. They, they must have been one and four, one and five, and have won like four out of five. Yeah, um, I think they were I think one they and had, six. They had a little bit of a slip up against the Cowboys in one of those games, but Cook and Cousins, Jefferson Thielen, I mean, this offense is electric. And so I'm not. I, well, I, let me remove the Cousins is electric part. Uh, everyone else is. <laughs> but um, Cousins is, I think, the only quarterback over the past six seasons to throw for 25 touchdowns and 3,000 yards in every season. Um, so, there, you know, he there is something to be said that he is able to consistently get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. Um, even if it's handing the ball off to Dalvin Cook, this team knows where their strengths are. Um, they've, they've kind of figured it out throughout the year, and I don't think the Bucks have really figured out where their strengths are yet. And so, if you're giving me six and a half in, in a game where I think a team is struggling to find its identity still you know arians is talking about wanting to give ronald jones 20 carries per game and at the same time he's getting uh, 11 to 13 carries so and is it crazy to it, think that leonard fournette looks more talented on the eye test than, than ronald jones i mean for me when i watch tampa, tampa bay bucks i i feel like fournette's a better running back than ronald jones but am i crazy in thinking that I think you are. I think you're biased by the fact that you own Leonard Fournette because when I'm watching the games, Jones looks like a better runner. He's been more effective in terms of yards per carry. I think Fournette um, just – I like the physicality of the, his running style. I think that he – physically – I mean, obviously, the, the I think Ronald Jones is shiftier and – He's a little uh, bit more giddy up, um, yeah. but he's not a good pass catcher. So both of them are limited. And Fournette's not a great pass catcher either. He's just better yeah. pass catcher. That That's a key differentiation. So, yeah, Fournette's the third down back. He's the 
pass catcher technically, but he's still not a very good one. Um, I don't know. I'm afraid on Fournette and I'm, I'm afraid on Jones just because we don't know what his workload is, but I do think that Jones is a better runner in terms of his speed. He's, he's more able to break off a long one, but I do agree that Fournette's physicality is, is definitely huge. He's more likely to fall forward. Yeah. I've always just been on the Fournette bandwagon, which is like, I feel like the talent outweighs his, he was so fun at LSU. Yeah. He was was so so fun fun at LSU. And I I was just so optimistic for his abilities coming into the league and it just hasn't, has not overwhelmed. He's underwhelmed, you know, since Mm -hmm. he's been in the NFL. He's a, yeah, he's been like a poor man's Brandon Jacobs <laughs> at best. <laughs> All right. Let's um, that's going to wrap up our pick segment. Again, I, I like the Pittsburgh money line against the Buffalo Bills. My best bet of the week is going to be the New Orleans Saints minus seven against the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the under on that game as well. I also like Cleveland plus two and a half against Baltimore and the Atlanta Falcons plus one and a half against the LA Chargers. I have leans on Green Bay, Indianapolis, and Kansas City to cover their games. And Connor likes the Giants at plus two and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. I also might sprinkle in I might sprinkle in a little bit of a road dog parlay. Um, I mentioned with the Vikings and the football team, I might just parlay parlay those two and hoping that I can get some value out of some road some road dogs this week. All right, let's roll into daily fantasy. Connor and I are excited to talk about some daily fantasy players that we recommend for this week 14 slate of games. We're doing really well in our in our DFS selections. Really, I felt like we nailed last week as well. In addition to our picks, really just Ben, let me ask you something. Do you, do you like winning money? Uh, no, no. Of course, I like winning money, dude. <laughs> money makes the world go around. I need more of it in my in my bankroll. Because that's what we've been doing. We've been cashing in every week, man. Not every week, but like 70% of the time. And hopefully we can keep that train running. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if 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 nothing else, our daily fantasy segments have been clutched for listeners this year. I mean, we continually highlight some of the best player performances week in and week out. Uh, and while, I mean, nobody's immune to the occasional miss here and there, I think we generally have a good grasp of what to look for uh, when selecting the best values in your daily fantasy selections week in and week out. Uh, But without further ado, let's just dive into some of our selections for this week. At quarterback, I went with Aaron Rodgers facing the Detroit Lions. We've been hinting at this all podcast long already. Rodgers priced out at (laughs) 7,500 on DraftKings. Rodgers, I think, is possibly the quarterback one on the week for me this this week. I think he's in store for a big game against Detroit. Detroit's defense ranks almost dead last in a number of categories um, against the, against the pass. I believe they are, um, they are 29th against the pass this year, according to DVOA football outsiders, DVOA rankings. I think Rogers in store for a good game. Uh, and that Green Bay Packers is going to Green Bay Packers offense is going to score a lot of points in Detroit. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I couldn't fit Rodgers into my lineup. He was a little bit too expensive. Yeah. I, I really thousand. wanted the, it, it, it's killer. Cause I wanted the, um, the Rogers Adams stack and Adams is 9,300. I, I so Adams. I could, I, I kept, I had those two locked into my lineup, but I kept trying to find the pieces Same. that made it work and I couldn't. Um, so I, a little bit of a, a, a pivot for me was I, I found a value uh, with Ryan Tannehill for 6,700. This is my best um, value of the week, Ryan Tannehill. 
Yeah, he he looks incredible right now in terms of their offense. We know their defense gives up points. They have a uh, very plus matchup against Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, I have as my 28th ranked defense, and they give up on average uh, 0.5 more passing touchdowns than the average defense, which means, okay, Tannehill is more likely to throw a a couple of touchdowns in this game, especially the way that Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are playing. Both of those guys are uh, huge play receivers. Um, and then you have Derrick Henry. They're going to be able to move the ball, and they should be in the red zone a lot. Um, look for Tannehill to have a big game. You know who I kind of like as a sleeper this week in the wide receiver section is going to be Khalif Raymond, our good friend Khalif Raymond from Holy Cross. I, f- I have a feeling that the passing attack and Ryan Tannehill this week for the Titans are going to have a really good game. Um, I like this pick. Like I said, my best value of the week is Ryan Tannehill. It's priced out at $6,700. I think... So the over-under on this game is 52 and a half. I think I like the over in this game, the Tennessee-Jacksonville game. And Jacksonville, you said they're 28th on defense. Their offense has actually been pretty good this year. And the reason being is their offensive line, Jacksonville's offensive line, is one of the best in the league. Really good offensive line the Jacksonville Jaguars have. And they're 31st. So the Jacksonville Jaguars' offense is ranked 31st in, in DVOA. But they're scoring a decent amount of points because they'll be able to run the ball. And uh, what's his name? Robinson, James Robinson. Oh, James Robinson. James Robinson has been a revelation for them. I mean, they were, they've been able to, they've been able to run the ball with a, a talented undrafted rookie running back and a, a, one of the league's better offensive lines. I think their offensive line gets ranked like sixth or seventh in most offensive line rankings this year. And while the, the overall offense for Jacksonville struggles at times, they have scored a decent amount of points in the last few matchups against like the Browns. And um, they had a, a who, who else have I missing? They had, uh, they've had a, a few matchups in recent, recent weeks that they, uh, they were able to score. I have been following the Jags very I mean, closely. Yeah. You have to forgive me of all the teams that we watch. <laughs> yeah. They, I'll pull it up right now. The Jaguars. I, I just know that the offense have been playing better than normal. Um, the people yeah, I think what, what's um, sneaky well, the, in terms of Jacksonville too is you, you can maybe fit like DJ Chark into your lineup. So you know someone's going to have to score um, for, from a, yeah. a, a passing perspective so, because yeah, we, we like point. the Tennessee to score the ball a lot too. Yeah, exactly. That was my point. That this game ends up getting a little bit uh, ends up being high scoring because I think Jacksonville's offense can keep up with Tennessee's offense a little bit. Um, and while Tennessee is going to have no problems moving the ball against a very porous Jacksonville defense, I think the Jacksonville offense is going to score enough points to keep Tennessee's offense intrigued and in the game and scoring more points. And so I think for fantasy purposes, like uh, you how you were saying you love Tannehill and a number of the receivers for um, Tennessee. I also, how can't you love Derrick Henry week in and week out? I think those are all good plays in daily fantasy this week. But yeah, so the Jacksonville Jaguars faced a Minnesota. They scored 24, uh, 20, yeah, 24 points against Minnesota, 25 points against Cleveland, just three points against Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's defense is elite. They scored 20 against Green Bay, 25 against Houston, 29 against the Chargers. You know, they, they, haven't, they haven't been bad this year. I mean, the offense has been adequate. And so I don't think that Jacksonville wants to win a lot of games going forward. They're, they're trying to maybe snake that number one overall pick from the New York Jets. But I think Jacksonville is like, yeah. you can try. <laughs> Jacksonville's offense is, is throwing people off of the sniff of their tank. The offense keeps them in games, keeps them covering spreads. Um, but I just think that the, the offense is going to keep Tennessee's scoring up. It's going to keep, I think, the scoring total higher than 52 and a half in this one. I kind of like the point total on the over. 
other values at quarterback, uh, Russell Wilson, 7.900, Deshaun Watson, 7.600, Justin Herbert, 6.8. And my lowest value of the week, Mitchell Trubisky at $5.600 this week. Mitchell Trubisky um, as the two-way threat with the feet and, and the throwing game this week um, facing against a porous Houston defense for Chicago. I think that Trubisky, could, you could do worse than Mitchell Trubisky at your quarterback position if you're going to take some Hail Mary big throws on, on other areas in your DFS matchups. Yeah, and one one other guy I wanted to mention is Taysom Hill. I think he has just a really safe floor in terms of DFS because of his running. Uh, it's more highly valued yeah. than passing yards, and and same thing with the rushing touchdowns. It's it's six points yeah. per rushing touchdown rush, as opposed to four, uh, four for the, the passing touchdowns. So. The rush is the key for Hill because I think that game is low scoring. Uh, like I said earlier on the podcast, I like the under in that matchup because I don't think Philadelphia's offense is going to keep. New Orleans offense, you know, wanting to score more points and trying to blow them out. Um, but I just, I, I, like you said, the rushing attack for Taysom Hill keeps his floor pretty high. So I think that you're right in that sense that you can't, you're not going to get burned by putting Taysom Hill in your lineup. You're, you'll get a good, at least like 12 to, to 15 points probably. Yeah. And last week he showed a little bit of his upside. I think he scored 27 fantasy points or so. Yeah, so and then exactly. there's he has a decent the, he has ceiling the there. Potential there. Yeah. He can always vulture a couple touchdowns away from Kamara. And if he, if he runs into there's your, there's your 12 point base and add on 50 rushing yards. And then the passing is just the, the cherry on top. Totally. All right, let's dive into the running back position. This week, I went with David Montgomery facing against the Houston Texans defense for Chicago. Montgomery is facing uh, priced out at $6,500. And then I went with Miles Gaskin in my RB2 spot for the Miami Dolphins facing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Gaskin priced out at $5,600. I like the, the volume plays here. I think both running backs get a good amount of touches against offenses. They are going to need to score a lot of points in, these, in both their respective matchups. Could you go with yeah. the running back? I'm also on Miles Gaskin. I think people might be worried about, well, the, what if the Kansas City Chiefs get up big? There goes the running game for the Dolphins. Well, Miles Gaskin is the, essentially the well, only running back Tua that's healthy carry? on the team. Yeah, I don't and trust no, Tua to carry the offense. No, no. He's gonna, there's going to be a lot of dump-offs and a lot of handoffs. Gaskin's averaging around 20, um, 20 carries a game when healthy over the past like four or five since he took over the starter role. And Ahmed's still injured. Uh, DeAndre Washington's still injured. Jordan Howard no longer on the team. This guy should get essentially all of the running back touches this week. So I love him as the play, especially no in the PPR format. Yeah, No exactly. Ahmed comeback yet, so still look for Gaskin to control the dominate the carries on in the Dolphins backfield. So you, you have Gaskin in your lineup. I have Gaskin and then I have Gaskin in my fantasy football lineup. So I, <laughs> I'm really riding the Gaskin train, man. I, I hope he, he lights it up, lights it on fire. All right. Um, and then my second running back is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's been hot the last couple of games. As long as he can keep the ball um, in his hands and not in the other teams, I think he should be fine. Uh, his bad games generally come when he fumbles early and then they pivot to Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins. Um, but he's getting the Raiders. We talked about that match up the Raiders defense uh not that great they just got uh put up a ton of points on them by the Jets so start teams that almost lost to, to the Jets start your players against them <laughs> yeah I, I don't hate that play I think Jonathan Taylor could be a decent value at running back other guys that I wanted to highlight obviously the elite guys Derrick Henry eight eight uh eight point seven thousand Aaron Jones we mentioned earlier I love him at seven point six thousand James Robinson seven and a half thousand I think all those guys are going to have elite games this week um I think Jamal Williams priced out at six thousand dollars could still have some value there priced out right around what I would probably have him at as well. Um, but like I said earlier on the podcast, I think he is going to have an opportunity to um, 
have his own his own touchdown in this matchup. I think it's a it's really good one for Aaron Jones, but Jamal Williams has been involved in a number of um number of games this this year, been a, a significant part of the Green Bay offense and why they've been so successful. Other guys I like I like Latavius Murray, a 5.4 thousand, honestly. And I know he, Kamara, you might be thinking, is Kamara hurt? Is he, is Murray starting? But no, that's not the case here. My thought here with Murray is I think the Saints blow out the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they win by, I don't think this game ever gets close. I think that the Saints win handily. And if that's the case, I think that the Saints late in the game, bring in Latavius Murray, possibly as soon as like the third quarter as the bell cow guy and Murray consistently as a backup gets played. But then when this game gets out of hand and they start bringing in Murray as the bell cow guy at four, at $5,400, I think Murray has an opportunity to have a big game um, and has some decent value priced at, at below 6,000 below five and a half thousand. Um, other guys, Devontae Booker, if Josh Jacobs is out, Booker's priced out at $5,300 for the same reasons why you like Jonathan Taylor. I actually like Naheem Hines priced out at 5,200. The, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders give up a decent amount of receiving yards to opposing running backs on the season. So I think Naheem Hines could be in store for a good week uh, for the Colts. And uh, for the same reasons, Jonathan Taylor could have a good game against them. I like Naheem Hines as well. J.D. McKissick, priced out at $4.9,000. No Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team. I think McKissick takes on a bigger role. Obviously uh, not known for his rushing between the tackles, but I think they still get McKissick involved more heavily in the passing game and looking to get the ball to him in more creative ways because of the absence of Antonio Gibson. I think the Washington football team is going to look to rely heavily on McKissick to move the ball on the ground for them. Yeah, Peyton Barber is their kind of running back, but he's just been wildly Yeah, the ceiling's, the ceiling's not as high on Barber. He the, was 14 for 23 last yeah, game. You're hoping so he he's running at like Barber, a, If you go with Barber, you're hoping he falls into the touch in the end zone. And we, we, we know Barber, who he is at this point. We've seen him on the Bucks, and we, we've seen what he does. He's, he's not extremely effective. He's not going to go for 100 yards or anything like that. Um, one other guy I wanted to mention as a value play, uh, and I'm riding the Giants this week, so I'm going to go with Wayne Gallman. Um, what people don't realize is Goldman's been fantastic on the season. If yeah. you, if you go back to game uh, week seven, uh, here's point totals, uh, 16, 13, 15, 19, 18, 17. So if we're talking about a guy who's only 5,700 and who's going to get you a, a floor of 13 and a ceiling of 20 as your, maybe your flex play or your running back two, throw them in there. That's an awesome value in terms of dollars per point. I like that play as well. I think Gallman's been a solid running back throughout the season. People, people just don't – they price in the lack of a high ceiling with him. That's why he's mm-hmm. a good value because, yeah, you have a high floor at 13 points or so, but the ceiling is a little bit limited. You're not going to win your, your – you know, the pick the date, the DFS pools where you're trying to win the million the, – the, the, mil- the, the million maker, million. the long shots, yeah, yeah the super high potential like, ceiling guys. Yeah, the, the potential for a massive point output from Gallman isn't there, but you're right in the sense that he has a high floor. You're, you're, you could count on, you could count on a 15 points out of him. So count on his usage. You can count on count on him being used in the passing game, and he's got six touchdowns on the year. So while Alfred Morris is a bit of a threat to to vulture a TD, I think he should be fine. Yeah. I also kind of like Chase Edmonds priced out at 44.6,000. I think Chase Edmonds has a chance to uh, have a big game out of nowhere. Uh, Kenyon Drake has a little bit of a hip injury. He's expected to play, 
but uh, with a hip injury, that has me worried. You know, that that aches. That that's painful. You know, for Kenyon injury, it only and, takes one fall too. Yeah. One, one land the wrong way one time. Exactly, and so I think Chase Edmonds could be in store for a bigger usage role um, this week against the Giants for the Cardinals, and uh, I think at forty six hundred dollars, that could be a decent value for a guy that has a high ceiling if he gets the usage that uh, you need out of him. All right, let's roll into the wide receiver position. I went with Keenan Allen, priced at $7,700 in my wide receiver one spot. I love Keenan Allen this season. I think he's a great weekly play um, in DFS and facing against a porous Atlanta secondary. Justin Herbert's going to be able to throw him the ball pretty well this week. I think Keenan Allen finds the end zone in this game. And I think that the Chargers um, feed Allen a good amount of this game. I think the offense flows through him a lot in this one and um, look for Keenan Allen to be a top five wide receiver on the week at at $77,000. I thought he was a good, a good play this week. Who'd you go with wide receiver one? My wide receiver one, um, as you probably could have guessed, is Devontae Adams. I uh, couldn't get Rodgers in there, but I got Adams. You you did the inverse. You got Rodgers uh, and going no Adams. Uh, Adams is 9,300, so really hard to get him in your lineup. But he's averaging 28 DFS points per game. And the matchup against Detroit is so cake. So in terms of a lock at the wide receiver position, I don't think there's there's any other guy that I'd rather have. Yeah, Adams is an animal. I mean, it's like cheating picking him, putting putting him into your DFS lineups. I mean, if you could afford a guy like Devontae Adams, you could count on 20 points a week at least out of that guy. I mean, he's an animal. He's going to get fed 13 to 15 to 20 targets in this matchup. You know, he's going to they're going to feed him all game and he he's in store for a good one for sure. I don't I don't think Green Bay is going to let the foot off the gas pedal at all. It's a divisional matchup. Rodgers is is in the MVP race. This and is like Rogers we said, there's rivalry. This is his rivalry yep. of his career. Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Whether you like it or not, Detroit hasn't been very successful throughout Rodgers' career. But these games are the biggest ones for Rodgers in his head. He's a man on a mission. He considers Matt Stafford his biggest his biggest rival, his biggest competitor. And he's gonna look to to, you know, get score a lot of points and, and try to make a statement win here against the Detroit Lions. All right. Who'd you go with at wide receiver two? My wide receiver two is Corey Davis. So that's where I'm catching the Tannehill stack on the like back it. end. Uh, I like I, I'm pivoting off of AJ Brown. I think a lot of people will be on him in this game. And Corey Davis <laughs> himself is having a heck of a year. He's coming off an 11 for 180 in a touchdown last game. And he gets a matchup against Jacksonville. We talked about is, is a bottom three or four defense. And there should be plenty of points to go around. Mm-hmm. He's only 5,700. So I love his opportunity and his high potential ceiling. Yeah, Corey Davis, one of those post-hype guys that people were so high on when he came into the league. And now it's like people soured on him because of just they were waiting. They were waiting for all these for his breakout to come. They were waiting and they it felt like it never came. And it might be this season, honestly. Corey Davis. I'm going really to well. dig up the tweet, Ben. Um, I think week two or week three, I said, is uh, is Corey Davis this year's Devontae Parker? Um, a guy last year who was on the cusp of breaking out every season we always liked him but dealt with injuries quarterback issues never had the consistency then parker last year was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver and Corey davis is doing it this year i think he's a top 20 guy right now and and i like it to continue so yeah if you want more tidbits like that too make sure you follow us on twitter all things and all that analysis i like the plug all right <laughs> the, my, wide, my wide receiver two spot i went with alan robinson 
for the Chicago Bears facing the Houston Texans. I think Robinson gets a boost when Mitchell Trubisky is throwing him the ball. Trubisky likes him. You know, he looks his way a lot, more so than Nick Foles was earlier in the year. And uh, Robinson is going to get a a good amount of volume in this game. I think uh, Houston's offense is going to keep the point total high in this one. Houston's offense, Deshaun Watson is having a career year. And even with no Will Fuller, they're still able to put points up on the board. I think David Johnson's coming back in this game. The running back, or he did he come back last week? David Johnson for the Houston Texans. Um, look, there's going to be more points than you think here. I think in this in this game, Houston at Chicago. I think Robinson has a good game, priced out of six point eight thousand dollars. I mean, Robinson could be a wide receiver one, top top ten wide receiver on the week. I like his value here for Chicago. Yeah, and then my last wide receiver is Mike Williams. Uh, he's only 4,700. He's going against Atlanta, which is the 30th ranked pass defense. Um, in a game where Good we value. think we can see a lot of points and Herbert having to throw the ball around a lot, a high potential guy, we know he has a really big ceiling. And the last time he played the Falcons was uh, one of his uh, biggest games of the year. I think they lost Keenan the first time around they played, but Herbert looked uh, to Williams early and often and with great success. So I think Williams could have a big game here. Yeah, Mike Williams is a good value play at $4,700. He's a good dart throw for a guy that could go for 100 yards and a touchdown. So I like that. I like that ceiling as well out of your wide receiver three spot. I went with Tim Patrick, the Denver Broncos wide receiver facing against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are one of the weaker defenses against opposing wide receivers this year. Tim Patrick coming off a big game last week against the Kansas City Chiefs played really well. Made a couple impressive catches um, last week. One in, in particular in the corner of the end zone for the for the Broncos. I think Tim Patrick keeps the ball rolling. I think he's the most talented wide receiver. He's, he's well alongside Jerry Judy obviously who's the, ro- the young rookie with loads of talent of his own right. But Tim Patrick kind of has emerged as the number one receiver asset after the injury to Cortland Sutton. Patrick has kind of been the guy that Drew Locke looks to more um, as a safety blanket and as his guy for big plays. Yeah. And I He's think a bigger Tim, dude too. Yeah. And Tim Patrick priced out of just $4,200. I feel like the price here, the value hasn't, hasn't adjusted yet for this guy. I think he's a high ceiling player at priced out at that, at just a $4,200. I thought that was a good ceiling play for me getting at, at my wide receiver three spot. Yeah, I like that a lot. Definitely a guy who's flying under the radar, but, but performing well. And I think that that's part of the fact that he's playing on the Broncos and certainly locks their quarterback. So you don't really think of the the pass catchers there, but he's he's putting together a really good season. Yeah, exactly. And then let's go. Let's go on some some tight end position spots here. Um, a tight end I rolled with Robert Tanyan for the Green Bay Packers. Somebody who continually seems to be getting undervalued this season. He's priced at four point two thousand dollars. Rogers looks his way for some big plays, and Rogers likes to to take shots down the field against the Detroit Lions. Um, and I think Tanya could be in store for a, a nice big yard touchdown in this matchup against the, the Lions. I, I like the value here at $4,200. Look Tanya's way in this, in this DFS selection. Apparently it's pronounced Tanyan. You Tanyan? wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah. He, he had to clarify that because he kept hearing his name. From VT. Um, but yeah, I love that play. He's a guy who's he scored a touchdown, I think in two or three in a row. And he's actually the number four fantasy tight end on the year. We have a lot of, of guys who've underproduced Mark Andrews, George Kittle went down. So I think a lot of people would be surprised to to notice that he's the number four fantasy tight end this season. Yeah. And you're getting him for what, 4,200, man. That, that's a great play. I might need to pivot. <laughs> 
Who'd you go with? I went with Mike Gesicki. Um, Gesicki coming off a nine for 80. I'm, I'm riding the hype a little bit. Yeah, and somebody who I the, had in my lineup last week. And Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, they're really good in terms of their defense against wide receivers, but their weakness uh, tends to be against tight ends. We saw Noah Fant last week catch a couple of pla- uh, passes. Um, I think he caught a 30-yarder. Uh, Gesicki's uh, looked uh, two in the end zone from Tua a, a lot. He targets him. And so I like uh, Gesicki to kind of be the safety blanket for Tua where if he feels flustered, he likes to get the ball out quick. Uh, he, he doesn't like taking those deep shots. And so that means it's going to be a lot of tight end usage. Yeah. Um, at tight end this week, I, I mean, I wanted to put in Travis Kelsey because if Kelsey's available, like he's worth it. He's priced at $7,400. I just, I I felt like even if I was able to fit him into my lineup this week, it doesn't, it it defeats the purpose for what we try to do here for in our, in our DFS selections. I'm trying to highlight the values. And I think Robert Tunyon and Kasiki are good values this week, but I mean, realistically, if you could afford to fit Travis Kelsey into your budget at tight end, he's worth that price because Kelsey is head and head and shoulders above every other tight end in this league. He's in, he's been incredible this year. And so I really like him this week against the Miami dolphins. Um, other guys to highlight for value this week at tight end Hawkinson price at a 5,000 Hunter Henry at 4.4,000. I like his matchup. Noah Fant, you mentioned him for the same reasons why um, I kind of like Tim Patrick and, uh, like you said, Gasicki with a good matchup against Kansas City. I think Noah Fant keep, can can uh, can have a good game here this week against the Carolina Panthers. Johnny Smith facing the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Tennessee Titans could be a good value. Three point nine thousand. Dalton Schultz three point five thousand. Jordan Reed three point five thousand. And then my lowest value of the week at tight end, Jacob Hollister for the Seattle Seahawks facing against the New York Jets. Hollister really the only option at tight end for Russell Wilson. And look for Hollister to possibly catch a touchdown. He's a good value, possibly at three point one thousand this week. Um, so he, there's values to be had here at tight end this week. I think so there's some guys here lower on the list that if you uh, try to sp- save some money and, and spend it on other aspects of your DFS selections, um, you could, you could save some money at tight end this week and, and boost up your other parts of your roster. Ben, what's your take on Darren Waller this week? A guy on your fantasy team, and he's coming off, what was it, like 200 yards and two touchdowns, just an unbelievable performance against the Jets. But this week he gets the Colts, which is a, a tougher matchup. What's, what's your take here? Look, I'm, if you have Darren Waller on your fantasy teams, you're starting him. He got you. He scored oh, what, 40 points last week, 45 points in PPR. I mean, the guy had an awesome week last week, and so you can't sit a guy like that. The, the potential for a big game is always there for him. But, you know, the match up is is what has me detracting him for dfs selections this week yeah. the value just isn't there he's priced out as the, the second most expensive tight end and he's one point eight thousand dollars more expensive than tj hawkinson who i think is similarly valued this week in my book mm-hmm. for in terms of the and he's matchup. only 600 less yeah. than kelsey and then hawkinson has no um no kenny galladay for the detroit passing attack so hawkinson and marvin jones jr are going to be the number one guys there this week and uh detroit's going to need to keep up with green bay's offense for all the reasons that we continue to talk about but darren waller facing the indianapolis colts the colts have given the least amount of fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season and the value just wasn't there for me with waller this week but obviously for fantasy purposes there's no pivot off a guy like this this is a guy you lock in your lineup plug and play cross your fingers hope that the matchup doesn't affect him too poorly Um, hopefully he catches a touchdown but you know he's going to get 10 targets he's going to have eight catches probably um, we'll just see what the yardage and touchdown total ends up at the end. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. And a reason why I brought him up is because what we're talking about here is we're talking about value. We're talking about points, uh, you know, for for the dollars you're spending. And and with Waller this week in that matchup, um, especially coming off of the big week, we just don't think it's there this week. I agree. Um, one thing we forgot to, t- to highlight, some wide receiver values this week, because I, I realized that when I, I talked about Marvin Jones Jr., I actually, I, I like Marvin Jones Jr. this week as a value play for wide receiver. Price at 5.8 thousand. Um, some other guys that I passed over uh, at wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, 7.4 thousand. Thielen, 7,000. I like the matchup for the Vikings this week. Pat, their passing game looks good. A.J. Brown, you mentioned for the same reasons. Corey Davis has a good matchup. Could be uh, a value this week, 7.3 thousand. And then I love the Seattle combo, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And if I had to go with one over the other this week, I think uh, Lockett is the better value, 7.2 thousand. Look for... Here's my thoughts here with Lockett. I think this is going to be a possession game for the for the Seattle Seahawks. I think this is a get right game for Wilson. He's going to want to complete a lot of passes. He's going to want to get the yardage totals up. He's going to want to have a couple throwing touchdowns in this one. I think Lockett's that safety blanket guy, the guy that he looks to on third and long. He looks to, you know, for the chunk yardage. And I know DK Metcalf is the deep guy. He's the guy that's going to, you know, stretch the field and make the spectacular catches. And DK Metcalf is is – a major threat for a huge game this week, but I think Tyler Lockett is the, is the better floor and the better value at 7.2 thousand. I, I was trying to think of ways to fit Lockett into my budget this week, but still the $7.2 thousand dollars is kind of pricey. I thought Allen Robinson at 6.8 thousand was worth the downgrade for the 400 extra bucks. Um, but another guy that I really love this week is in Lockett. Amari Cooper was the last receiver. Um, sorry, one of the last receivers I wanted to highlight. Amari Cooper, I think, is a threat for a big game this week, especially because I'm facing him in fantasy. I feel like <laughs> I'm doomed for a big, uh, out of nowhere, Amari Cooper game, 28 points or something like that. Where he just, I tend to do that where I put guys I'm playing in fantasy into my DFS lineup just in case they go off. It's a hedge against <laughs> losing my fantasy matchup because that means I did really well in DFS. Yeah, so I, I understand the logic, exactly. Yeah. And then other guys... Guys who I think could be decent values at wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton's been turning his season around. Price at five point one thousand dollars. The Vegas secondary is very weak this year. I think T.Y. Hilton could be in store for a, a continued success this week for the Colts. He's been their guy over the last couple of weeks, and he's had some good his some good games. This is a great matchup for him against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then one guy who I low key feel like could be in store for a breakout game this week: Antonio Brown, five point five thousand dollars. A guy that if if I had the money to upgrade off of Tim Patrick in my wide receiver three spot, I would have gone with Antonio Brown. I think he could be a good value for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He got a week to prepare with Tom Brady, get more familiar with the offense. I mean, he was already before that last game against the um, who the Bucks faced last. Was it the Chiefs? Before that last Chiefs game, they uh, Antonio Brown was trending in an upwards direction, getting more targets, getting more involved in the offense, and then his last game kind of threw people off his scent thinking that maybe he just isn't going to reach that potential that we all think Antonio Brown has. But I think this is going to be a game where we, we remember, oh, he's Antonio Brown. You know, he's one of the most talented receivers to ever play this sport. And I think that a $5.5,000, I think that's a good, a good high ceiling play here. Antonio Brown for, for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the last guy, I think I, I slightly mentioned him earlier, was DJ Chark, um, yes. 5,300. It's, it's a little bit of a dark throw, um, but we know his, his high potential. Last year, he was incredible. This year, he's had a couple boom games, and we like this game to be high-scoring, Tennessee-Jacksonville, that is. So if there, if there is a guy I think that could go off um, for the Jacksonville Jags, uh, as, as in terms of a pass catcher, I, I like DJ Chark. 
Exactly. All right. Let's just quickly touch on our, our defenses that we selected. Oh, we forgot the flex spot. Damn, we passed right over the flex. I do that too often. You know, keep me, keep me, keep me on schedule here, Connor. I, I'm I keeping like you it. honest, brother. I appreciate it. All right, flex spot. I went with I roll with JD McKissick in my flex for Washington football team facing the San Francisco 49ers. I already kind of touched on McKissick. Uh, he's at four point nine thousand dollars this week. I think that he's a good value. He's gonna he's gonna be the guy that gets the the most value of, out of the running back position for Washington in the absence of Antonio Gibson and his turf toe injury. McKissick, look for him to be heavily involved in the passing game in this one, and uh, as well as they, they may look to rush him outside of the tackles and attack the edges of the San Francisco front four. Alex Smith is the dump-off king, and McKissick could easily have like 10 to 15 targets in this yeah. game. Even if he's ineffective in terms of the yardage total, since we're talking about PPR, all of those become a point as soon as he catches the ball. So exactly. high volume um, flex play there. Really great opportunity. Love McKissick this week as well. That's why he is in my flex spot too. So uh, no Ben, <laughs> great minds think alike. Um, you can see a lot of similarities. We're targeting similar games, similar running backs, and some similar players. Well, uh, I, I, great minds I actually think alike, really you know? like, I, I like analysis, when that happens because analysis. we did that last <laughs> week too. And then both of our lineups went off. So we have the, the puzzle pieces here between our two lineups where I think that uh, hopefully one of us gets the right combination. I think we're looking for a big week. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's roll into the defense matchups. I ended up going with the New York Giants facing the Arizona Cardinals. I know you like the Giants defense and you're loving what you're seeing out of them. And I am too, honestly, this Giants defense held a very impressive Seattle offense last week too. I mean, given Seattle was playing pretty flat last week, the offense didn't look like themselves, but the Giants got to be given some credit for that. I mean, this, uh, this defense has been trending in the, in the right direction for a number of weeks. Now, Joe judge has them firing on all cylinders and I think while I, I'm wary of the Kyler Murray getting healthier narrative, I think that I'm not willing to, you know, throw all my eggs in that basket just yet. I want to see some improvement out of Kyler before I start banking on him returning to MVP, MVP form. Um, I think the Giants defense could be in store for a good game. I priced out at just $2,600. I thought that was the best value play for me um, in terms of trying to find the cheapest defense that could fit that I wasn't ashamed to put in my lineup. <laughs> yeah, I really like this play here. Um, it, they're actually a, a team I kind of glossed over when looking at my defenses because I had a couple of extra hundred dollars. So uh, I'm going with the Washington football team against the 49ers. Washington coming off of a, a fantastic win be a good against play. the Steelers. Chase Young was disruptive in the backfield, stopping uh, Tomlin the goal line to play. And, I love that clip. He's like, I never want to lose enough games to get a guy like you. He's like, yeah. you're, you're just, you just look too amazing. You're just too easy. I, I never, I never want to get a guy breaker. like you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with Nick Mullins at the helm, um, you know, he's, he's competent enough where I think the pass catchers on San Francisco will be fine, but I, I, I like um, Washington to stifle the running game a little bit. And I, I like them to cause some pressure for Nick Mullins and maybe have him turn the ball over a couple of times. Um, Mullins is a guy who's definitely been prone to that in his history. I like it. I like it. Other the other team that I look, I tried to fit the Saints into my budget here because they're the they're the most expensive defense, but they're worth it. This Saints defense is possibly the best in the league, alongside, like I said, the, the Steelers and the Rams this year. One of those and the Colts for all for all intensive purposes. But you know, the Saints defense is. There have been incredible recent weeks and the Eagles, like we said, are starting the rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I don't know that they were able to put, I, I have extreme doubts that they were able to put together an offensive system that is conducive to his, to his success. I think this could honestly be 
the Eagles kind of uh, sabotaging the Hurts value here and and justifying. Look, they got the Eagles. They're not getting rid of Carson Wentz. They 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 have him next year. It's like a sixty million dollar hit if they were to just release him, they're not going to do that. So but Wentz is on their team next year. So this debate between Hertz versus Wentz is going to continue. And, you know, I think they're just kind of giving him, giving Hertz the the nod because of Wentz's struggles. But, you know, I, I don't know how much success the Eagles are anticipating out of Jalen Hertz this week. I don't know how you can expect a guy like that to have success against a defense like the New Orleans Saints. And so at $3,800, the Saints defense is still honestly worth it. The best value of the week for me, honestly, this defense is going to be, they're going to, they're going to give all the Eagles offense, all kinds of trouble. I like nobody on the Eagles for fantasy this week. If you have an Eagle, if you have a pivot, even off of Miles Sanders this week, I pivot off of it. I, I, I'm playing no fantasy fantasy players in uh, for the Eagles this week. And the Saints defense, like I said, could be a great value. Yeah, I think that's a good analysis. All right, man. That's going to wrap it up for our DFS segments. I went with Rodgers, Montgomery, Gaskin, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Tim Patrick, Robert Tunyon, J.D. McKissick, and the Giants defense. Connor, who'd you go with again? Ryan Tannehill, Miles Gaskin, Jonathan Taylor. Devontae Adams, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, Gasicki, J.D. McKissick, and WFT, Washington football team. <laughs> WTF. No, WFT, I like it. That's uh, going to wrap it up here for our DFS selections for the NFL's Week 14. Good luck to everybody on your bets and your gambling endeavors, as well as your fantasy football endeavors, daily fantasy, real fantasy football, um, as well at the fantasy playoffs. Connor and I both rolling into the playoffs. I, I, dude, I got the Turned last. Turned it around. I got the, I got the last seed, the six and the eight seed in both of my fantasy match, my fantasy playoff uh, leagues this year, and. I'm looking to make some upsets. You know, I'm looking to shock, shock the world, you know, the, the, eight, the lowly eight seed coming to beat the one seed in our, uh, in our main league on ESPN. And um, I don't know. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good off of the Rams defense on Thursday night, scoring me 20 points, keep my fingers crossed to keep the momentum rolling into Sunday. We're, we're both kind of playing like the giants right now. We didn't get off to a hot start, but we're really finding <laughs> our strong. rhythm and finishing strong. Absolutely. And we're looking to go uh, make a deep playoff run. Certainly. Certainly. All right. That's going to do it here for episode 54 of vicious talk with Benny P Connor. Thanks so much again for joining me. Don't forget to follow all things analysis on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Go to allthingsanalysis.com to subscribe on the website. Catch all the great work we're doing on allthingsanalysis.com. We have a lot of things in store for the website. We're looking forward to releasing um, over, the la- over the next few months. Connor and I are excited for the opportunities we have at ATA. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on all the, spot- all the podcast platforms you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I think that's on Podcast One, SoundCloud as well. Go- please go on to whatever listening platform you listen to and uh, give Vicious Talk with Benny P a good review. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, but thanks again for tuning in for our weekly NFL preview pods. Let's look to continue to keep the momentum going off of the, we're rolling hot off the week 13 run, Connor. I think we're, I think we have some good picks here for week 14. I like our chances to keep it going. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good about our analysis this week. All right, buddy. That's going to wrap it up for episode 54. Thanks again, Connor, for joining me. Thanks, Ben. Take it easy.